This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Good evening. It's 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night, and that can only mean one thing, that you've uh, logged into WPXI Now and you are watching Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenreiter with our buddy from DKPittsburghSports.com, Chris Carter. What kind of a day are you having, Chris? Having a pretty great day. I, I can't imagine what anyone else would be watching right now, Albie. I, don't, I can't think of one possible thing that would attract a Pittsburgh sports fan's attention than watching this show at this very moment as it airs on WPXI now. I guarantee you this gets the highest ratings of anything that's, on, that's being streamed at this very moment. I cannot possibly argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> what could possibly else? What else could possibly get the attention of uh, Pittsburgh sports fans? All right. Well, I know something that will definitely uh, uh, get their ears to go up, and that's the Penguins. And, well, the predicament that they're in right now, having to fight back in this series. uh, Listen, this is the worst nightmare, quite frankly, for the Penguins. And that is the possibility that they would lose this first round series against the Islanders, uh, which would make the the third year in a row that the Penguins have been eliminated in the first round. That's difficult for Penguins fans because they've gotten used to such greatness with this team. So it begs the question, if this is it for the Penguins, if they don't get past the Islanders, what implications does that have, Chris, for the Penguins moving forward? It's a good question, Albie. You know, I know that a lot of people, the first thing they go to is Mike Sullivan and the head coach. And they do this in every sport. You know, whenever the Steelers lose, it's Mike Tomlin. Heck, Derek Shelton just got to the Pirates, and people are already saying fire him for their struggles. And it's just I, – I think that's the, that's, the, that's the lame way of attacking these things. I think that's, that's always been the way, uh, you know, the way of the fan. It's the simplest explanation is, well, my favorite players didn't do well, so we're going to blame the coach because I don't wear the coach's jersey. And I, I just – I don't see coaching – as the Penguins problem right now, you know, Tristan Jari had made a bonehead play in double overtime in game, in in game five that put them in the situation where right now they're fighting for their playoff lives. That's a tough spot. That's a tough spot to put anyone in, but again, it's not like it's one Tristan Jari has displayed good puck control and not made a ton of those type of mistakes this past year. So it's not like he was, coached to to it was it's not like he wasn't coached to not do those things he's displayed you know a good you know a, a good head a heady play a lot through his this past season i think he's played a big role in them getting the first seed in the east which nobody and i mean nobody thought was even possible coming into this season i'm like except the penguins and maybe a few fans well uh <clears throat> the financial implications of of uh of letting mike sullivan go I mean, I, I think that that may uh, that may save Mike Sullivan's job uh, if if it's even in jeopardy. I think uh, what we're, we could be looking at here is a is a roster that we won't recognize. Um, this is a team that has a new management uh, uh, team in place with uh, Burke and Hextall, and I, I think that uh, they they tweaked the team as they thought they had to. The acquisition of Jeff Carter. Uh, looks like to be a great acquisition, uh, but they are not going to sit by idly. They're not going to uh, look at the failure of this team if, in fact, they lose to the Islanders in the first round and just say, well, we'll take our chances from here. I think you will see some changes. 
Um, I, I, I just don't, you know, I don't know if you'll recognize this lineup next year, if that's the case. That that's the the way the approach that I think is accurate there, Alvy, because you know these these are these are two new guys running the organization. You know, uh, I believe I believe it was it was Burke who made it very clear that he thinks the Steel, the the, the, the Penguins need to be more intimidating and need to be more physical, and they need to get guys who are going to impose their will on other teams physically with the forecheck and the backcheck to kind of let everyone know, like, hey, you know, you don't come in here and push around our stars. Um, but some of that might be involved losing their stars, you know. And, and you know, we've talked about you know Malkin had some spirited play early in game in game five, but. You know, people were questioning, you know, what was his was his state of mind at the end of the game when he had a chance to kind of jump in the way and help Jari out after that bad pass. And he, he didn't get there fast enough, um, you know, whereas Sidney Crosby in game in game four, he was diving and saving goals and, and, and all sorts of other things that he does. And that's who Sidney Crosby is. So I, I think that's the approach here, Albie, is. We're looking at, you know, how, if the Penguins lose this series, it's not necessarily get a Mike, get rid of Mike Sullivan. I think he's still doing a heck of a job at, at head coach, but. I do think it's a series. It's like, okay, what needs to be the core of this team moving forward? Because you you want to keep Sidney Crosby. You want to make sure that you're still have a chance to win with him because he still plays at a, an extremely high level. Um, but you do have to ask, uh, w- what are the essential pieces that are going to best make it so that you don't fall into the pitfalls that you are right now? Um, but I, I do I do sense though that there, there's still there's still a hope that they can pull this out. I don't think it's you know a lot of Penguins fans after each loss this this series. Penguins fans have been, oh, it's over, it's a wrap, it's done. And then each time the Penguins respond, like, oh, this is great. And then, you know, it, it goes right back. And it just seems we're on the on the one side of that coin right now where Penguins fans are down. If they win this game, are we talking the same way if they get out of this series? I, I think there's still too much to tell, but I, I, do, I do think that there's going to be a lot of consideration as to who needs to be part of this core moving forward for the Penguins. Um, but certainly – I, I, the the coach doesn't need to go because of that situation. And yes, the financial implications of what would happen if they released him certainly play a factor. Well, the other thing is, if you look uh, to what happened in game five, um, this is not a, shouldn't be a surprise because uh, almost from the time Marc-Andre Fleury left, uh, there was talk that they made the wrong move. So, uh, you know, it was, was this goalie good enough to get them past the Islanders and deep into the playoffs. Many people question that. We'll find out. Game six being played tonight. All right. Thank you, Chris. Back with some Steelers talk and a whole lot more as we continue with halftime adjustments. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider. You're watching WPXI now. And on the other end is our buddy from DKPittsburghSports.com, Mr. Chris Carter. That's hey, me. Chris, OTAs are underway. So officially those off-season workouts have begun. They got the rookies in place. They dealt with that. Now they're dealing with the whole team uh, working out. And there was some question whether or not this would happen. 
Um, there was some talk a while back that this wouldn't happen, that they didn't feel it was necessary or safe or any of the above, but they did get together. They've got everybody on the field working out. And yesterday, both the offensive captain and the defensive captain, Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Hayward on the field. And Cam Hayward had some very strong words in defense of number seven, his quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, were you surprised at how strongly a stand he took, um, perhaps to set the tone before anything got any further on this is our quarterback and he's a winner and I'm glad he's here? Are you surprised he took that strong a tone? Not at all. I I, I don't. I, I'm not surprised. Cam Hayward's been that leader for the Steelers for quite some time. I I, I do get the sense, Albie, the Steelers have heard what people have said about Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN for a second year in a row has come out and said that Ben Roethlisberger is the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North, putting in behind Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. And Cam kind of said, that, you know, went to that exactly. You know, he didn't say names, but he said, you know, he said other, other, you know, other quarterbacks are being propped above, above him. And he's a two time Super Bowl champion. And what have they done? And to me, that was a direct shot at anyone who says that Ben Roethlisberger isn't anything but first in the AFC North, even with Lamar Jackson winning an NFL MVP just a couple years ago. Um, that that to me says you know, Cam Hayward. He's the leadership of of, of the defense. And and uh, and funny enough, you know, him and Ben, they're the most tenured players on the Steelers roster on both sides of the ball. Ben Ben being with the team since two thousand four. Cam Hayward being with the team since two thousand eleven. These these guys are the guys that have been that have been running the sh- running the show, and I think for Cam to say that it's kind of a sense that there's a lot a lot of other people who feel the same way and want to back Ben Roethlisberger up, and we saw Ben Roethlisberger there at the first day of OTAs, looking you know you know working with with all the quarterbacks, you know Dwayne Haskins was there, Josh Dobbs was there, Mason Rudolph was there, getting working with them. I, I see a lot of this as very good positives for the Steelers that they're they're locked in on this season and. They're, they might be embracing that us versus the world mentality that a lot of teams do. Like, you know, we hear the Patriots do it every year, even though everyone always used to pick the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl um, when they had Tom Brady. Uh, but, you know, this this is coming off like they actually have the ammunition to re- legitimately show like, hey, rookies, young players who just got here, they're already counting you guys out. Let's focus and get the job done here. And I, 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 I like the way that Cam Hayward approached that. That was, that was really good leadership stuff for him. And Albie, that's what's to expect from Cam Hayward. He's been nothing but a leader for the past, I'd say, five, six seasons. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think he's, he's not only a leader, but he's a natural leader. This isn't something that's forced. Sometimes you get players in locker rooms who are looked at as the leaders of the team. Perhaps they're the captain. Perhaps they've been around longer than anybody else. And they... It's not for everybody. I mean, not everybody can be that natural type of leader. You get guys that might say the right things at the right time uh, because they feel they have to. But then you have guys like Cam Hayward who they, 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 they say things that need to be said, but they do it in a way where they sell it. They're believable in the way they approach it. He looked, if you look at Cam Hayward uh, when he spoke yesterday, he looked like he was ticked off. He looked like he, he had had it up to here with people questioning uh, not only the team, but his quarterback. And I think that will go a long way. Um, Not only does it get it off his chest, but those younger players that you talk about, the guys that you are trying to lead, whether you're, you're, you're doing it by design or just doing it in this case, which I believe is just the natural way of things for Cam. He comes by it naturally. 
uh, it sends a message. There's, you know, you're a young guy on the team. You're thinking, wow, here's Cam Hayward, and look at how he's jumping to our quarterback's defense. And and on the other hand, you've got a veteran like Ben Roethlisberger. He hears what he's saying. Ben Roethlisberger appreciates that from another guy who's respected in that locker room. And I just have to tell you, that's a good way uh, as they kick off OTAs. That's a good message to send. I think it's 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 not only good for the people out there that you were talking about who've questioned Ben Roethlisberger or the Steelers, but it's good for the guys in that room who ultimately have to be the ones that get that message. I agree. It's more so about the mentality of not just Ben Roethlisberger, but the Steelers as a whole and standing up to the people that disbelieve in the, in their ability to win football games. Again, this is a team that went 12 and four last year. They won the AFC North. They swept the Ravens and you know, they, they fell apart at the end of the season and, and Cam Hayward even acknowledged like, yeah, we lost to the Browns. We know that, but so what we still got, we still believe in ourselves and we still have a ton of talent on this roster. And he, he acknowledges, you know, part of the problem was, you know, not having a balanced offense. He also said that in this statement, and he's like, you know, that's, we got a new running back. We got a new tight end. We got our receivers are another year older. You know, we get, we, we got some new additions to the offensive line. You know, we want to see that balanced attack. And he talked about how as the defense, they get excited see, just having the the possibility of a balanced attack in the Steelers' offense because then that means they get to stay off the field a little bit longer. Less snaps means more, more time to rest, and that means better chances that they're going to have energy in the fourth quarter to get after it because what, what happened a lot to the Steelers last year, especially down the stretch, was the defense would be on the field for 80 plays or something, something crazy like that when normally you want your defense on the field around the 40 to 50 range because that means you're limiting the amount of time the other team has the ball and then when you're in that 40 to 50 range when you get to the fourth quarter your pass rushers your run stuffers they're firing off the ball they're not tired they're not gassed they're not you know you know sucking up a whole lot of air they're but they're 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 firing off and that's what cam hayward knows that they want to be able to do and that's why he's excited and i i get the impression the whole team is excited to be able to kind of shut people up about the steelers this year yeah, and I think that uh, as we talk more about the Steelers, when we come back, we can get into that. Uh, this is Halftime Adjustments, and we're going to continue our Steelers talk on this over-the-hump-day edition of Halftime Adjustments. We're back after this. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments, continuing with our Steelers talk. Chris Carter. What do you think about that Steelers O-line? You know, there was so much talk, uh, understandably, in the last couple of weeks because of that number one pick, uh, a guy who can make an impact. Najee Harris uh, is a guy that can immediately uh, fix your running problems. Or can he single-handedly do that? Now you're talking about the line. and Have they done enough with the line? Are you comfortable with the line? Are you confident in the line? that we'll have to block for him. What do you think? It doesn't matter what I think, Albie, but what does matter is what the offensive linemen are saying right now. Just today, Kevin Dotson, came, came, took, he was talking after the Steelers' second day of OTA practices, and he said he was talking about how, like, you know, when someone asked him, at, uh, what's the difference between how Adrian Clem, the new offensive line coach, is coaching compared to the old offensive line coach, Sean Serrett? And he said, oh, Coach Clem, 
is being aggressive in these meetings. He's taught he, the language that he's using. You know, he's getting us to go down in more three point stances. He's get, he's having us be more physical. And the way he's talking about it, he's like, you know, instead of trying to to chip a guy and 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 get get in a more favorable position, he wants us to run over them. He wants us to get in the middle of them and control them and dominate them. And he even used the phrase he's told us to run through his face. And he also says there's a few other things that Adrian Clem's been saying to them in their meetings that he can't say say on camera. Um, but that's the mentality that the Steelers offensive line is adopting this year. They want to be the bullies again. It's been a while that they've, they've been able to do that because they had, you know, they were built of mainly older offensive linemen. You know, David Castro, even though he's still there, he was up there. Marquise Pouncey just retired. Alejandro Villanueva, been there a while. Now you got Kevin Dotson. Now you got Zach Banner, Shakuma Okorafor. Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr., younger guys who are going to be able to get who get given the opportunity to say, hey, go be the road graders. Go set the tone at the line of scrimmage. Push guys two, three, four, five yards off the ball to open up holes for this supreme running back that we just drafted for you guys to, to, to highlight this year. That's what the Steelers offensive line is looking at right now. Even outside of Najee Harris, I think this group has a lot more confidence than anyone else has in them right now because of the, of the, of the way they've been, they're being coached by Adrian Clem. Yeah, let me look at the other side, or let me present the other side of the coin to uh, Pouncey in particular leaving and, and also uh, Alba Villanueva. Um, listen, Pouncey was a great stealer. Nobody's, nobody's going to deny that. Uh, he did deal with it with an unusual amount of injuries. It seemed like this was a guy that was constantly battling injuries and in some cases serious injuries and those early in the season injuries when they had to survive the season without him anyway uh so marquise pouncey is gone is there a bright side not a not a bright side but is there a silver lining to that or is there a way uh not even a silver lining but maybe they can make uh they can make lemonade out of lemons he's gone he was a great stealer no doubt about that but they can start anew and they can they can build up that line and and all come up together, minus the veteran David DeCastro, of course. I, I absolutely think that that's the situation that they're going through right now. Kendrick Green is a, is an athletic center. He can move. He can hit in space. He can get off the ball. That's something that that's, the Steelers really haven't had, even with Marquise Pouncey. And I'm one that believes he's a Hall of Fame center. He was, he was all pro several times over, pro bowl several times over. You could say he was the best center of the 2010s. And when you're the best at a position over a strength of a decade, that means you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But in his last couple seasons, Pouncey wasn't blowing people out of the hole. Even when his prime, he wasn't a guy that like blew up the biggest defensive tackles. But what made him great was his mobility. He'd get to the second level. He'd pull and hit guys in space. Yep, yep, but right. he, lo- he lost that mobility in his last few years because it just happens when you get old, and especially when you've been beat up as much as an offensive lineman for the better part of a decade. So, um, you know, for, for, for Kendrick Green to come in there, if he can assert himself and, 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 get, and get that starting position sooner rather than later, he'll bring that athleticism to the offensive line. I also see Kevin Dotson playing playing a lot that way because of the way that he brings you know as, as an athlete for this line. So if this group is able to embrace that mentality, become the bullies, and and become the tone setters of this Steelers offense, it brings a whole new element to what they could do. Remember last year, Albie, they ranked thirty second, dead last in the NFL in both yards per carry and overall rushing yards. The in the past, but but of the last eleven years in the NFL. Teams that do that 
they have the they have the best record of any team. Most teams are five and eleven, three and thirteen. Some were nine and seven. Some were got ten wins, but none of them were twelve and four in the regular season. That should show everyone that even with this offensive line not being aggressive last year, or with the lack of a run game entirely, they were able to compete and and be active and make it and win the division. Now you're talking about an offensive line doing that and a running back doing that, balancing out this team. That makes it a little scary. It's like, okay, how good could this Steelers team actually be instead of, you know, are they going to be struggling to finish third place in the AFC North? Uh, you know, a, a lot can change if this young offensive line embraces that mentality. And it's not going to be easy. First, for, I, I predict for the first, like, month or so of football, they're going to be figuring out how to be aggressive and, and how to gel together and how to build together and, you know, when's the proper time to chip block and that those kind of chemistry things. But – I think by month two or three, you'll see this group a lot better than people anticipated, and that will change how this offense operates. Yeah, and I think that the Steelers have always uh, – they've won games over not only the years but the decades. Uh, they've done it with a solid running game that can not only uh, – that ball control offense, time of possession, but can also put a team away late. You know, you have a lead and you give it to a guy like Jerome Bettis, and he's, he's just bowling you over – in the fourth quarter when you need those tough yards to eat the clock and to, and to keep a lead. Um, so I think running game is really along with defense. Those are the two things that can, that can win. And that's the Steelers way. And I think they're getting back to that. And, and I do think that this young line has a chance to mature, come up together. And to be clear, there's never a silver lining to a guy like Marquise Pouncey leaving, but you can make the best of it. Uh, with guys that will all come up together and maybe start to get an attitude that we can get back to that Steelers way of winning. All right, we're back with our final thoughts right after this. Hey, welcome back for our final moments. Hey, Chris, real fast, just want to get your thoughts on that wild scene at the PGA Championship um, in, in, in South Carolina. Um, hey, listen, I, I, I like the fact that there was organic excitement, the fans jumping behind Phil Mickelson. And although I think it got a little bit a little bit crazy, maybe a little bit scarier for Phil, Mick, Phil Mickelson or Kepka. I don't I don't think there's any question it could have been unsettling if you're trying to finish out that round. But what an amazing uh, effort by Mickelson to win a major at age 50. Especially when you note that how how much he struggled. You know, he's missed several cuts this year. He hasn't played very well. He dropped out of the top 100. Great things from Phil Mickelson. And for the fans to see good old lefty, the guy that used to go toe-to-toe with Tiger Woods in his prime, for, for him to make this comeback and win such an important major... That is awesome to watch. And that's why fans were losing. It's it's great to see great stories in, in sports. And in golf, yeah, really we need those stories because, you know, golf's a slower-paced game. But seeing something like that and seeing a comeback story, everybody loves that. And everyone can get behind Phil Mickelson because I've never heard of a bad thing about this guy. So so great for him. And it was certainly a fun sight to see um, in, in South Carolina this past weekend. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Chris Carter. You can get us on WPXI now every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock for halftime adjustments. See you next time.